Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Losses Above Replacement, the best baseball podcast to grace your ears. I am your host, Alex Clark, joined by our very own all-star co-hosts, Anna Mathias Almakurasaki and Ryan Splash Potts. My main men, as we are getting closer and closer to the all-star break, how are you both doing today? Doing much better than I was uh, yesterday at this time. I'll say that much. The Mets actually won a game. That's baby steps, baby steps. They went 7-19 last month. So uh, I was up at 5 a.m. Uh, this morning. I went I went to master swim practice. I know I probably don't need to do that, but eh, sometimes you just feel like getting up and doing something that hurts a lot. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's how my day went. Uh, the wildfires sort of affected our area, but uh, it's not as bad as it was a few weeks ago. I'll tell you that much. Uh, hello, friends. Uh, I'm not Jim Nance, but maybe I could be one day. Uh, I'm a little bummed that I haven't been able to watch my beloved Bravos the last few days. Uh, I went to see a movie yesterday during their game. They scored a bunch of runs. Uh, today, I was working during their game. They scored a bunch of runs, almost all of which came in the first inning, and tomorrow I'll be working during the game again. So uh, I'm uh, going through a bit of a baseball withdrawal right now. I understand that 100%. Um, I'm actually doing fantastic today. Um, I One of the reasons I'll talk about in our final segment of the day um, but other than that, Maris finally won a game. Thank everything. Um, but also I'm, I'm really excited tomorrow at this time tomorrow, I will be in California going to go watch the Oakland A's take on the Chicago White Sox and the Giants take on my Mariners. So even when I'm away, I still watch my team. But speaking of teams that were in Oakland and did something Oh boy, you can already see where this is going. If you've not been under a rock for the last few days, um, history did happen. A historic moment that has been, what, 12 years in the making? 11, 12 years at this point. Um, On the 28th of June, the New York Yankees took on the Oakland Athletics and what a lot of people thought was just going to be a normal game blowout whatever with the Yankees taking the win and they did they took the win in a double digit affair the final score being 11 to nothing but that's not historic what was historic is the starting pitcher Domingo Herman through the 24th perfect game in the history of major league baseball as a Mariner fan that hurts because the last one was King Felix and don't say what you're about to say Ryan but I'm gonna be real. I was hosting trivia. I was at one of my at one of my other jobs, and when I saw the that this was going on, I had my phone next to me watching it. And I know this probably makes me a horrible baseball fan, but I was constantly just kind of hoping against it. I was hoping for an error. I was hoping for a hit. I was hoping for a walk. I was hoping for anything. And maybe that's just the bad baseball fan in me that just wants Felix to be lasso. Maybe it's the one who just didn't want Domingo Herman to be the guy that threw a perfect game after his off the field issues, as we'll call them guys. I know it's a little late to say this, but what are your reactions to the perfect game? 
Um, the great irony to me is that in his previous start, I was on Pinstripes Nation covering the game, tweeting the game for Ruben, and uh, Domingo Herman got lit up like a Christmas tree. He allowed like 10 runs, The um, not the Twins. They were just getting dunked on, right? The, the, the Mariners, yeah. Yeah, they, it would be the Mariners. Okay, yeah. so the Mariners were like up 12 nothing. It's horrible. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa hit a home run as a pitcher later in the game, yada, yada, yada. That is as, about as bad of a start as you can have in the majors. And then he comes back. I know it's in Oakland. Yeah, I who who freaking cares? The A's have a competent offense. Sometimes they're a major league caliber offense. The pitching staff. We can talk about that. Uh, talk about that another time. But to go out there and make it look easy, and just I never saw a moment that it was. Oh, he's he's teetering on the brink here. And look, I've watched a lot of Domingo Herman pitch this season because I do the Yankees stuff. And it feels like every game I cover is a Domingo Herman start or a Garrett Cole start. But I, I just want to appreciate the poise both he had, Higashioka had, the entire team had. And it was magic, right? And it felt like nothing was going to go wrong. It felt like you, you, I flipped on the game and it just was systematic it was methodical it was boom 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 all the p's and q's all the i's were dotted all the j's were dotted all the t's were crossed and i thought it was a as good of a pitching performance as i've seen now again oakland whatever but i thought it was great i thought it was brilliant i think it's you know we can talk about the off the field stuff hey if you want to talk about on the field stuff domingo herman got suspended this year for using sticky stuff so on the field off the field whatever probably not the guy major league baseball wanted to throw the perfect game although he is a yankee so there's that but i i want to say it's good for baseball i i do believe like history is good for baseball like things like Otani hitting 15 home runs in a month is good for baseball the Braves having a 940 OPS for a month is good for baseball you know, what Corbin Carroll is doing is good for baseball. All this stuff is good for baseball. And I do think a perfect game is good for baseball. I'll throw, throw I mean, Splash, you missed, you met, mentioned the sticky stuff too. He actually also has been suspended previously for performance enhancing drugs. So real checkered pass on and off the field for Domingo Herman. That being said, this performance, I mean, like you said, I mean, he'd gotten lit and he got lit up two starts in a row coming into this game. Uh, and then, I mean, I guess if you're going to get yourself righted on the field, it's going to be against the Oakland A's. I mean, he only threw 99 pitches. So he had a Maddox in his perfect game. You know, and another crazy stat is that there were three perfect games thrown in 2012. And then we went 11 years without one. We had many guys get close. I mean, most famously, Max Scherzer won out of way before Jose Tabra leaned his elbow into a pitch to break it up. Uh, so there, there was that. Uh, you know, back in 2010, you had Armando Galarraga have his perfect game broken up by Jim Joyce, uh, the first base umpire. Uh, you know, it's also crazy. On Tuesday night, I met up with one of my friends from the Bay Area here coming home from a Mets game, and he was telling me about and he's an A's fan. He was telling me about, you know, the A's have the over 5,000 game streak going of at least one hit. And what do you know? The next night they, you know, Domingo Herman throws a perfect game against them. <laughs> so, you know, it, regardless, it was an amazing pitching performance. Nine strikeouts. Like I said, 99 pitches. 
Uh, also, one of my coworkers was at the game, so he got to witness history. The Yankees now have four perfect games. That's more than any other franchise. So I, you do sort of have to tip your cap to him. Obviously, it goes from, you know, Felix Hernandez, one of the most popular pitchers in baseball, to Domingo Herman, one of the least popular pitchers in baseball. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. He's in the record books now. And, yeah, that's – I mean, there's not much else to say. So I think there's a few more things to bring. You guys hit the most of it. Like as much as I may not be a fan of this because of the person who did it, um, I do think that it is very interesting for baseball just because of what it does mean. It means that finally after 11 years where a lot of people thought that maybe it would never happen again with how good pitchers and hitters were both getting, it finally did. One thing I do want to bring up though, and it's kind of along that same very line, is what it takes to throw a perfect game and how sometimes you don't even need to be great to do it. So I feel like there's a lot of other factors that go into throwing a perfect game. For one thing, I want to bring up the A's thing. Splash, you look like you are just angry to say something. What's up? Do you want to say something? So this is the fundamental thing with baseball. You could throw a perfect pitch and the umpire could be blind and it could be a ball and you yep. could do that four times and you, you could walk the guy. You could throw the, per- there was a, the one that I always think about Luke Jackson threw a pitch a, a foot above the strike zone. Cody Bellinger tomahawked it out for a three run Homer. What, what are you going to do? He swung at a pitch that was two feet out of the zone and he hit it for a Homer you could throw the worst pitch of your life. You could have a ball bounce in front of the play, but if it's Javi Baez or Vlad Guerrero senior at the plate, they're going to swing at it. Right. So I, I, I get where you're coming from Alex. And as much as my brain wants to say you have control in baseball, you, there's no control. You can get a sawed off single. You can barrel a ball and it finds a glove. Michael Harris disease. I call it actually Atlanta Braves disease and Toronto blue Jays disease. But uh, yes, that I thought Herman was in great control. Is it the best game I've ever seen pitched? No. Would I take Spencer Strider's game against the Marlins earlier this season? Probably, because he was just filthy, dominant, like every word. But I never felt there was a moment that Herman was just gonna kind of blow it up, right? But no, then again, I I, I I didn't think Strider was gonna blow it up, and then Gene Segura hits this bloopy little rinky dink you know, five and a half hole single over RCS head. It's like, okay, what are you going to do there? That was a perfect pitch. And he just got an, the worst hitter in baseball, got enough of it. You know, it happens. No. Yeah. No, that, and that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to bring up here is that baseball has so many different variables that making a perfect game happen means that you don't have to be the best to make it happen. You, I mean, I think the perfect example to talk about that is the man who threw the perfect game just before Felix Hernandez did. A man by the name of Philip Humber, who threw a perfect game for the Chicago White Sox against my Seattle Mariners on was it April 21st of 2012. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Matt Matt Kane <laughs> threw threw one in between that, but I guess. Oh, oh saying, yeah, you're right. Yes. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I keep forgetting which one was next. My apologies. Met, Mets, right Mets legend Philip Humber, by the way. That's legend Philip Humber. But no, like Philip Humber threw a game and Honestly, looking back at that game, yeah, he, it was good, but it wasn't great. Like, he, what was really going on here in that game is that the Mayor's offense was absolutely bad. I'm trying to think of any other words that we can use, but just outright bad. 
And I kind of put a little bit of that to the Oakland Athletics game here with uh, Domingo Hermans. Looking at that team, right? I want you to take a guess who was their highest batting average guy on the Oakland Athletics team during that game. I just want you all to take a guess. Like, is it Estuary Ruiz? Nope. Estu- nope. Uh, actually, no, yes, it is Estuary Ruiz. Congratulations. 260. The next two that are there are that Brent was on Hunter. the nose, folks. Yeah, you got you got it. Yeah, 100%. Good job. Dang. Um, next after that was Brett Rooker and Perez, who are at respectively 236 and 235. And then after that, the only two players that even had a batting average at 200 or above were, um, Jonah Bride and Diaz. And that's at 201 and 200. The rest of the players were below the Mendoza line. Like, that's where this kind of gets a little bit tricky here, is that it definitely also comes down to the uh, to the offense that the pitcher is going up against. But, like I said, there's always going to be an element of randomness to it. There's always going to be elements of this pitcher has one perfect day. One perfect day, and that's why, like, I, I, that's why I want to bring up Philip Humber, is that his perfect game was, you know, good, but it wasn't incredible. That was against a Mariner team that I think the very last batter was Brendan Ryan. Brendan and Ryan, that, yeah, he struck yeah. out on a check swing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, no disrespect to Brendan Ryan, he's one of the greatest defensive uh, shortstops I've gotten to watch play in a Mariner uniform, but as a hitter. No, sorry, buddy. Also, amazing impressionist. But on, on top of it, though, like, that's why I feel so bad about I feel kind of weird about this perfect game. Because this was one that, you know what? It was about time that we had another perfect game. It's been 11 years, guys. It's been a long, long time. But the person that did it, I guess the offense that it was done against, just leaves a really sour taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think it speaks to like the weirdness of baseball. You know, you'll you have 2021 where I think there were seven no hitters in the first three months. There was a combined no hitter. Uh, the, the Astros threw two combined no hitters last year. And, you know, I do think that this, you know, three true outcome sort of baseball can lend itself to more no hitters, just combined no hitters rather than single game efforts, because Lord knows we're not getting too many complete games in modern baseball. Um, but I will say Domingo Herman did not allow much hard contact. There were only three balls hit over 95 miles per hour, only three flame emojis on his baseball rep or baseball savant page. Uh, the A's had an expected batting average of 109. So you'd expect you know, one out of 10 guys, one out of nine guys to get a hit. And, you know, they didn't. So I think Herman pitched a great game. Is it the greatest game I've ever seen? No, that's probably, you know, Scherzer's 20 strikeout game, a Strider 16 strikeouts against the Rockies, you know, more overpowering stuff. Anytime Jacob deGrom took them out into the, uh, 2021, stuff like that. Uh, Chris Medlin back in 2012, correct answer actually. Um, but you know, credit to Herman, credit to Higashioka, credit to the Yankees as a whole. That's the thing is that no ba- no matter how good or bad uh, the opposing lineup is, it's still incredibly difficult to go 27 up, 27 down. Uh, that I mean, to like, th- thinking back, though, on 
you know, past perfect games. I mean, you got, you know, Matt Cain's perfect game was against the 107 loss Astros. He struck out 14 that game, to be fair, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest pitching performances of all time. Like, regardless, you know, yeah, the Astros were the worst team in baseball, but still, it was pretty impressive. And like you said, Philip Lumber did that against a pretty weak Mariners lineup. Uh, Felix Hernandez did it against a solid Rays team that won 90 games. So, I mean, it, I that's, you know, that, that's the thing, though, is if I were to pick a team – uh, where, you know, you figure someone's going to throw a perfect game against in 2023, it's probably the Oakland A's just given everything. You know, they're the worst team in baseball record-wise. They've been on pace for most of the season to at least match the single-season loss record. So, I mean, not to take anything away from Domingo Hermod. You know, he, he, he went 27 up, 27 down. But, you know, something that, you, you know, I you sort of would hope that you know, if you're facing arguably the worst team of the modern era, that you would be someone would be able to eventually either no hit them or throw a perfect game, or if not, put up a, you know thirty runs or something. Yeah, and there's one, one last little bit here before we move on to our last segment here that always make me slightly sad, and that is uh, uh, congrats also to Kyle Higashioka who caught the perfect game. Like, I think the catchers kind of always get a little bit shafted a little bit because they're the ones who call a lot of the pitches. And I think they need to get a lot of respect for catching the perfect game. But it also now means that John Jaso is no longer the last catcher to catch a perfect game. Yeah, I mean, I was a, I love. yeah, <laughs> I believe Jason Veritek is the only, only pitcher, to, or sorry, the only catcher to catch three no-hitters. Uh, yeah, he caught De- Derek Lowe. Uh, Clay Buckles and John Lester. Uh, so he's he's the old like you'd think that like you know the Yankees have four 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 perfect games and a bunch of no hitters. You'd think you know Jorge Posada maybe, but Jorge Posada actually only caught two. So yeah, you're right. The catcher does deserve a ton of credit. I, I always think about uh when Jonathan Sanchez threw a no hitter for the Giants. I believe it was Buster. Was it Buster Posey? Yeah, it was Buster Posey, I'm pretty sure. Or it may have been uh, Benji Molina uh, couldn't catch that day. So Eli Whiteside, the backup catcher, got to catch a no-hitter instead. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, well, there was um, – I just blanked on his name, but he he caught back-to-back no-hitters, one for the Cubs and one was Joe Musgrove's no-hitter. Uh, Alec Mills' no-hitter and uh, – Oh, Victor Caratini, right? Yeah, Victor oh, Caratini. Yeah. Um, different I'll, two different teams. When you brought up Jason Veritek, as much as he is amazing for catching three uh no hitters, uh he is still uh he still never hit a home run for both sides of the paint at uh Fenway Park. That just right. goes yeah, he fully not. to my main man Cal Raleigh. Anyway, <laughs> moving on here. Now we're gonna go on to our next segment. We talked a little bit how the all-star break is coming oh coming really soon, in fact, but with the all-star break also comes trade season and we've been talking a lot about trade season even into the last month two big trades have already happened that really were like the bringers of okay you know what it's time it's getting time so those two trades being um eduardo escobar and araldus chapman both having new teams here escobar going to the angels and chapman going to the rangers now fellas here 
this is interesting, I think. Because we, we want to talk about these two guys. I think what the most interesting bit about this, they both went to teams in the American League West, which I think shows, again, one, how strong the division is, but the fact of how much stronger this division is going to get. Because, yes, the number one team got a piece, and Aroldis Chapman, who I think is a very strong piece. But the Angels are also starting to stock up a little bit. Yeah, and the here's the thing with the Escobar deal is that it kind of hurt to see him go as a Mets fan because while his numbers weren't great this year, he had been better ever since his dreadful start to the season, and he'd been particularly good against left-handed pitching. And he'd been good, really, ever since he became a platoon guy with Brett Beatty. Uh, he's versatile. He can play second base, too. But also, the Angels, I mean, you got Anthony Rendon's hurt. Zach Neto's been hurt. You know, you got uh, you know, there, there's just been so many injuries uh, at that position or on the infield for the Angels that they needed a third baseman desperately. I mean, they also traded for Mike Moustakis, but, you know, Escobar can be the right-handed platoon to Moustakis' playing time at third. Uh, at the same time, the they gave up. I mean, Coleman Crow and Landon Marcoux are both top 20 organizational prospects for the Mets now and they're both pitchers who the Mets desperately need so they gave up I wouldn't say that's a small amount to give up for a veteran on an expiring contract and having a down season uh you know Escobar was an incredibly popular guy in the Mets clubhouse and you know like I said he was he was hitting better after becoming a platoon guy he was player of the month in September last year so you know how good he could be but I feel like this was a trade that was necessary for New York. I mean, Steve Cohen has said that he's not going to be a buyer if the team doesn't get back into contention. I sort of think this is a sign that they're going to continue to sell off some veterans. So I think the Angels got what they needed, which was an infielder with some versatility. But also the Mets, I think, got uh, also a strong deal uh, in this trade. Yeah, I think the important thing with the Mets is – sometimes you have too many chefs in the kitchen and for the Mets, that's too many, you know, left side of the infield prospects. You have all these guys that play short. They're not going to play short because Lindor exists. Oh, you have all these guys that play third. Well, only one can play third in a given game. And maybe you have one DH, but then you also have Francisco Alvarez who has a solid catcher next to him um, and Omar Narvaez. So you're you know, fiddling these around and you want to play Brett Beatty, you want to play Vientos, you want to play Mauricio, you want to play all these young dudes at some point, right? So you kind of have to jettison one of your veterans and as valuable as Escobar is, as a switch hitter, who's a, you know, a solid defender at third and second. Um, I thought it was a, a solid move for the Mets and a solid move for the Angels to get more depth. I know Gio Urshel is having a rough season. Anthony Rendon is either hurt or not playing well, depending on what day it is. Uh, Neto has had been great, but uh, he's on the shelf for the moment. Brandon Drury, respect to him. He's been pretty good. Um, borderline all-star as a second baseman. Um, but I think that's a solid, you know, a solid win-win. Um, the angels did give up a little bit in terms of, you know, pitching prospects, but they aren't, uh, they aren't, uh, out of pitching prospects. They had the, the one draft a couple of years ago that they went all pitching. So they have plenty of, plenty of dudes, right. Um, with the Chapman trade, uh, as a Will Smith owner in fantasy, I am mildly annoyed, even though I, I do think Smith holds on to the closing job, but 
props to the Rangers for saying, okay, we have bullpen issues uh, as nice as our starters are. And as nice as Will Smith has been this season, um, you can always go get another bullpen guy. You can always go get another left-handed bullpen guy. So now when you're facing the Kyle Tuckers of the world, you know, in the ninth inning of a big game or in the seventh inning of a big game, you can go call on a lefty who's pitched in big spots, who's won a world series. Granted he didn't pitch well in that game, but neither here nor there. So uh, Rangers think a, a W there um, angels Mets. I think both of them get W's and the Royals. You're just recouping assets on a player. You signed for like a one year, $3 million deal, something like that. So it's kind of the, um, you know, fair play to the Royals. They got something for a piece that they didn't have to sign this season. No, yeah, I want to give props to the Royals as well. Like I said, it was a it, it was a shot in the dark deal just to have fun. And you know what? It paid off handsomely for them. They got something out of it, which I don't think a lot of people really had much of a real people thought. I don't think anyone saw uh, Chapman doing what he was going to be doing to uh doing this right now so um on top of it though i do want to say with this that i think it's very interesting seeing that the american league west is really starting to beef up and how teams like the mariners and teams like the astros are going to respond we know how the a's are going to respond we know they're going to trade off whatever pieces they have but at the same time like I think it's it, – I really like seeing what the what the Rangers did here. I think the Rangers did the better trade of the two of them. The fact that we, – we talked about this during the big trade segment we had earlier where I predicted that the uh, – that Arales Chapman was go- going to be a big trade piece. I don't remember who I said he was going to go to. I think I did mention the Rangers as a potential landing spot. But um, overall right now, I think that when it comes to Chapman, you said it their splash like there is very little good quality left-handed relief pitching in all of baseball and if you can land one of them you do it and like i said cole reagan's is a 25 year old starting pitcher and Rony cabrera 17 year old outfielder like prospects are good but if you can get solid pieces for a strong run i think it I think it could be worth it, especially considering that when you are the Rangers right now and you're on this pace where I still think there's a very real chance their bubble just absolutely bursts. I think that um, them addressing that, okay, if we want to keep this going, we got to put some more solid pieces there. And they did exactly that in getting Araldus Chapman. And then on the, on the angel side, they know that right now they are having a transcendental season from Shohei Otani where even if Judge wasn't hurt, I think at this moment right now, Otani would be the clear front uh, MVP guy at the moment, uh, just from how well he's hitting and pitching. So it's good to see them actually try to add on a little bit, try to add a lot lot more to their offense because they have been doing pretty decent with their pitching. Now it's just about trying to keep the run support going because we've seen a lot of games this season where Trout – Either Trout, Otani, or Trout and Otani are the only offense, and they still lose the game. Like we've seen that a lot this season for the Angels. And so now, with that being said, seeing that they're at least attempting to make something happen when it comes to getting the offense to work a little bit better, I think it's really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I, I want a good I, view. So I, I just wanted to jump in. I mean, you guys mentioned the whole the Rangers bullpen issue. I mean, I got to watch it. it 
live in person at one point and it was kind of kind of alarming let's just put it this way there's it was a, a 3-2 game against the Yankees bottom of the eighth inning and they brought in two guys that frankly I don't know much about John King and Yerry Rodriguez and they ended up giving up three runs in the inning and losing five to three and both guys got options to the minors and now they get a legitimate high leverage arm in Chapman hard throwing lefty to go with their other left-handed pitcher, Will Smith, and Jose Leclerc, who's a righty. I mean, their their one weakness this year has been the bullpen, and they got their guy. The Royals, I think, you know, Cole Reagans had good numbers in the minors last year, but, I mean, he's 25 now. His numbers in the majors are not very good. And, you know, you get a 17-year-old outfielder in Cabrera who, yeah, he's been great in the Dominican Summer League, but, I mean, that's not – you know, that's that's the lowest level in the minors. So, I mean, I, I'm not a saying long-term Cabrera project. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, he's very much a long term project. So I I wouldn't say this is necessarily a bad haul for the Royals, but I think they definitely could have gotten more from probably another team, especially considering they and now that I think about it, we had all said that Chapman like we all were on the path that Chapman wouldn't get traded alone. And look at that. He got traded alone. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I said that it was very possible that he could get traded alone. I think uh, we have to go back and listen to the podcast again to go figure it out. But I do think that it's very interesting to see that they are at least they're addressing the main bit. I'm really curious, though, to see how well Chapman is going to do with Texas, given the fact that he's going now to another place that's very offense oriented another place where the ball just seems to fly a little bit more yes the stadium is built to make that a little less than what it has been in years past but it's still gonna fly pretty good it's texas so here's the next question and this will be the last bit on trade talk here we talked about this a little bit beforehand about who we think could be the next player to get traded like we know that there's still another month left of trade season but who we think could be the next guy, and we all talked, it kind of came together around one name. An infielder with the Washington Nationals right now in Jamer Condelario. So guys, why is Condelario a good fit for basically any team to go and be a trade target, not at the deadline so much, but more as a right now type of guy? It's the glove. I, I think the, the offensive production is going to be there, right? He's going to have a bunch of doubles. That's always been his shtick, right? Kind of, uh, I'm going to say like a poor man's Nick Castellanos offensively. Now much better defender than Castellanos. We're not even going to have that conversation. But what uh, Condelario has done this season has just been the 1C to keep Ryan Hayes' 1A and Ryan McMahon's 1B in terms of a defensive third baseman in the National League, really in Major League Baseball, um, just been a ball vacuum over at third. Uh, he's a switch hitter, so he can you know play both sides of the platoon, if you will. Um, and he's been productive at the plate. He's outperforming his batted ball data a little bit. Um, his walk rate is higher than 2022, um, even though it is a little bit lower than the Major League average. But, you know, he's a guy that has an 800 OPS right now, 10 home runs, um, you know, 264 batting average is fine, you know, given the modern circumstances here. But I think you go get Candelario and you're going to get a solid hitter who can hit both ways, um, but a 
very good defensive player. Um, that could be the difference, say, uh, Atlanta wouldn't make this move, obviously, but example, you move a not so good defensive third baseman in Austin Riley to a DH role or play at first base. Say Philly makes this move, and instead of Alec Bohm playing third for you, sometimes he's playing first, and you have Jamer Candelario playing third, right? So I think that could be a logical move for a handful of teams and at least get a, another another guy that can switch it. You know, there's not too many of those around anymore, but you know, a versatile player, um, and I think a very good player and a guy that I think is was an all-star starter snub. You know, I, I think it's also that he's a rental. He's only on a one-year contract, and he's only making $5 million. So he's very affordable. And I really, because he's a rental, I don't think he's going to cost a ton necessarily. Uh, the team that I'm sort of looking at really is uh, the Yankees. The Yankees are desperate for offense, with especially without Aaron Judge. And they've really lacked production from the hot corner this year. Josh Donaldson has not been the answer there. Uh, Anthony Volpe at shortstop has been up and down. He's been better lately, but really he's been kind of underwhelming overall. Uh, and then Glaber Torres has been up and down too. DJ, same with DJ LeMay, who's been pretty dis disappointing. So I think getting a guy like Candelario, who's cheaper than Donaldson and will most likely outperform the aging LeMay, I think they could get him, give up, you know, a couple of prospects. And I think this is a good fit for them. Plus playing Yankee stadium down the lines, those doubles might start turning into homers. So, you know, in addition to his elite defense, he's also become a much, much better hitter this year. So I can see him ending up in the Bronx. I honestly, that's kind of where I thought he was going to go too. So I'm glad we are on the same mindset there. I think that the Bronx is probably going to be one of the better bits for them. The other reason that I kind of want, I think that he may get traded before the deadline itself is that he isn't a big name as much. Usually when it gets closer and closer to the actual trade deadline itself, we see the bigger names really get taken down. Like I remember we're on, I think we we're on live stream couple years ago and we saw that was when we saw the Scherzer and Trey Turner trade go down I'll, that'll always live in infamy with me but on top of it like this is a deal that's a lot more under the radar this is a deal where you know people may know the name Jamer Condelario but they can't really say a whole lot about him not gonna know that he's mostly an infielder you know that he's got a good defense a little bit of a good bat on him but he's not like a huge household name so I think he's gonna be a, a a guy that really could help out at team, like say the Yankees, and they're going to come calling early and just get it done. Just get it done real quick and seal the deal before other teams start calling. Because the closer and closer you get to the deadline, the more the price tag is probably going to start becoming. And for a guy that's going to be a rental, you don't want to be paying too much. You don't want to pay a full price for a video game to only have to turn it back in six days later. That's why it was five bucks back in the day. Thank you, Hollywood Video and Blockbuster. But at that same time, like, I think that this is a deal that could happen within, honestly, the next couple of weeks, maybe like just after All-Star break, potentially even early. It's, oh, uh, first off, are there any other last notes we have on these two trades or are we all good to go? All right. Let okay. him cook. You know, fair enough. 
All right. So here's what we got now. Because speaking of the All-Star break itself here, we're finally about at the All-Star game now. It feels like it's been forever at this point. But we now finally have the starters announced for the 2023 All-Star game from the fan voting. There are Just to make a quick amendment here as well. This is purely the fan voting. So there are some players that will opt out. There are players that can't be in there. One that has been voted in but will not be there because of, let's say, an injury. But from there, we finally have at least the announcements, right? So starting off here in the catcher position, we have Sean Murphy from Atlanta and Jonah Heim from Texas. Uh, over at first base, we have Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers and Yandy Diaz from Tampa Bay. We have a second base, Luisa Reyes from uh, Miami and Marcus Simeon from Texas. We have Nolan Arenado and uh, Josh Jung for third base. At shortstop, Orlando Garcia and Corey Seager. At designated hitter, we have J.D. Martinez and Shohei Otani. And then in the outfield for the NL, we have Ronald Acuna Jr., Jr., Mookie Betts, and Corbin Carroll. Whereas for the AL outfield, it will be Mike Trout, Randy Rosarena, and Aaron Judge. Sorry, pitcher obviously has yet to be announced. That'll be announced later. But guys, so there's a there's a lot of interesting names there. A lot of Braves, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, excuse me, wow, Rangers. There we go. I don't know why we were just talking about them, but. It feels kind of interesting looking at this because I always I don't like looking at usually the vote winners. I always like seeing who are the reserves because at that point, those were I feel like a lot of the guys that really true deserve it will get in. Because the fan vote a lot of times, let's be honest, is a popularity contest half the time. Like, let's let's be real here. As much as we don't want it to be, it's kind of what it is. So, fellas, from just the starting bin, I have one question. I sorry, two questions for you guys. From these starters, who is one that you think is going to shine at the All-Star game? And who is one snub that you think should have been in there? Uh, I'm going to roll first here. First off, shout out to Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves organization. Uh, heading into the season, we thought the starting shortstop was going to be Von Grissom or Braden Shoemake or going to go from outside of the organization. And nope, it's going to be Orlando Arcia, and he's going to be the all-star starter, a deserving all-star starter. Okay, sure thing. Uh, I will always trust Alex Anthopoulos, I guess. Um, but I, I think one guy that will shine um, in the all-star game, as he does most of the time, is Ronald Acuna. He's probably going to bat lead off for the National League. First pitch of the game, he's going to be swinging, and that can set the tone. If he hits a 450-foot absolute missile then you have something to you hang your hat on. So I think if there's a guy that deserves to lead off the all-star game, I think it's Ronald Acuna. And for me, I'm going with the hometown kid, another National League outfielder, Corbin Carroll. Uh, you stole, you know, my, stole mine, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, NL, right now he's the front runner for NL rookie of the year. He's probably like top three in MVP, in the MVP race playing in his hometown stadium in Seattle. I think that it's just, it's just meant to be the home cooking. I mean, he's, he does everything well. I mean, 17 homers, 24 steals. He's also a lead off type hitter though. I think in this game, he'll probably bat second or maybe third. 
Uh, I, I just have a feeling Cor- uh, Corbin Carroll is going to show out in front of his home fans. Yeah, I'm not going to change my answer. It's Corbin Carroll for me. I think I'm so excited to get to watch Corbin Carroll. By the way, I'm going to the All-Star game and all the All-Star festivities. It's in Seattle. So, hell yeah. But, um, no, I think with Corbin Carroll, it is going to be fun to watch him play. He is going to want to show out. He actually just posted a, uh, a posted a uh, post something on social media of him when he was a kid sitting in the glove right out front of one of the gates, the very famous glove in at Seattle. And uh, it, it, it brought a tear to my eye because you always love seeing the hometown kid get that shot and get to go play in the stadium that he grew up watching. And it's always so much fun to watch. So yeah, my vote for that one, who's going to absolutely ball out. It's going to be Corbin Carroll. Now there's a lot of, there's been a lot of debate about a lot of these people. So who is your guys' snub from these all-star starters? Who do you think should have been a star? You know, we, we just talked about him, uh, Jamer Candelario. Uh, I will say from the, the finalists, the, the phase two finalists, I think the voters got it right. Um, I would not have picked Mike Trout. Uh, I would have picked, uh, I forget who else was on the ballot. Even Kevin Kiermeyer, I think, has a solid argument over Trout because of just how good he's been defensively and he's having a plus offensive season, but that's what not the point. The other two runners up for you, just maybe this will help you out, or Jordan Alvarez and Adelise Garcia. Okay, I would have 100% taken Jordan with all due respect to Mike Trout. Maybe he makes it as a reserve. That's not the point. But uh, I think Candelario was one that was never going to be voted in. Washington stinks. Washington's fans aren't, you know, Blue Jays fans or Braves fans, right? So they're not, if the team stinks, they're not going to be ones, you know, churning out to vote for Jamer Candelaria, who might not be a national in three weeks anyways. So you finish like 12th or 10th in National League third baseman voting, which is kind of horrible. Ryan McMahon, also a, a snub from the, the finalist selection. But I think Candelario has been the best third baseman, baseman in the National League. He's been great defensively. Um, right there with McMahon, right there with Key Brian Hayes. He's been right there with McMahon and JD Davis for the best hitting third baseman um in the NL. So, you know, Arenado, I get it. Riley, I get it. Those are two popular fan bases. Those are two incredibly popular players. You know, Arenado is gonna have 17 Kabazillion All-Star nods by the time his career is over and all those gold gloves. Um, and Austin Riley is gonna be well on his way to a lot of all-star games, but I think the the fan vote kind of ruined it for third base well the fan vote and this goes for every sport i mean i remember there was the one year in basketball when zaza Pachulia was the second sec got the second most votes among nba centers which made absolutely no sense uh but i'm talking for this though i'm going with an nl shortstop and you're probably thinking like oh francisco lindor because yeah we know you know, he leads in the counting stats and all that. And look, I think Lindor has a shot still just because National League shortstop is pretty weak this year. Uh, I am not talking about him. In fact, I'm not talking about anyone who was on the ballot. I'm talking about Matt McClain from Cincinnati. Uh, and the reason why, you know, obviously RC, I think, is having a nice season and he's performed way above my expectations. But uh, he is 1.8 war in about in uh, in 60 games. I just checked. And Matt McLean has 1.8 war in 41 games. 
His OPS is also 912, and he's already hit seven homers, 12 doubles, four triples, and driven in 27 runs. Plus, he has three defensive runs saved at shortstop. If Matt McLean is not an all-star, we have a problem here. Like I said, NL shortstops, for some reason, are playing kind of underwhelmingly so far. And I think McLean has been that spark plug for Cincinnati. He's basically the full package. I know he's not even probably – he might not even be the best shortstop on his team necessarily or on his own side of the infield, but I think Matt McLean deserves more love than he got. Also, Geraldo Perdomo. Yeah, Perdomo. <laughs> um, one thing I'm going to bring up is something that I just kind of have a problem in general with the All-Star voting the starters in, um, and that is players that are injured and they know are not going to be able to play and still voting them in to be the starter, so then it has to be picked otherwise. I personally, and I think this may be dumb, but whatever, I don't care. I think that if you are voted in as an all-star starter and you know you can't play and the and like the league knows that you're not going to be able to play, I think at that point, like you say, you acknowledge, hey, he won the fan vote, but the starter then goes to the runner-up. And for that reason, I think Adolis Garcia alongside you said or you're done I'll, I'll bring up Garcia I think Garcia has had himself a fantastic season and has been one of the main reasons why the Rangers have been so darn good like Adelis is the one that has gone a lot up and down in his career but when he's on I don't know why but I fear him whenever he cut steps up to the dish that man has some scary power to a pretty interesting defense and overall, I think is playing out of his mind right now. And I think, honestly, he fully deserves it. Do I think that maybe could be other better options in the outfield? Yes. But I also think that when you take a look at guys that can play good defense, that can hit the ball a country mile, I don't think of Jordan just because the level of defense isn't there. I think more closer to a guy like Adelis when you can't have Mike Trout or you can't have um, – uh, Aaron Judge in the conversation. Also, Luis Robert this season. He's been magnificent. Oh, yeah. No, Louis Bob's been great. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's been on be fire. Funny enough, right now, so like I have, I think, three of the all star outfielders on my fantasy team. So we take those. Um, and besides that, we're going to have more information. This podcast is recorded before the reserves are announced. That's why we're not about them we'll talk about them during our next podcast which will more than likely come out before the all-star game but hey keep your eyes and ears on that we're all very busy people especially when it comes near all-star time but with that being said i think it's now time to head to our trivia segment this time unless is there anything else that someone that needs to be said on the all-star bit all right so with that being said, I think it's time for trivia tonight, hosted by one Matthias Altman Kurosaki. So take it away. All right, gentlemen. So as we just discussed, the All-Star Game is coming up. As of this recording, the reserves are being announced tomorrow. So today, I have a little bit of a spin, I guess, on Splash's Wikipedia game that we've done. It's called Name That All-Star. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, these are all one-time All-Stars. But granted, oh, no. these are not okay. I'll 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 say this beforehand. I did not go with like these super obscure ones. If you want some super obscure all stars, go dig up my old overtime heroics articles. I have plenty of those. 
Um, I can't. I can't believe we finally brought in an overtime heroics reference on exactly. the losses of replacement. It finally happened. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to because that that's where I I wrote multiple articles detailing weird all stars from this century. No, uh, no, but no, you're, you're fine. The way we're gonna do this is it's gonna be Jeopardy style. So you're gonna buzz in, oh. you know, what's it called? And we're gonna go first to five since I have nine players. First to five wins. Okay. Okay. All so right, you got good. you guys get it. So I'm gonna read off, sure. you know, the the year they made it, and then some facts about it about that player, and then you guys can buzz in. All right. Ready? Uh, is the Jeopardy rules that we have to wait for you to finish? Um, or do you know just, what? Or do we just buzz in when we think we know? Just buzz in when you think you know. Okay. All right. Deal. All right. Ready? Yes. Yeah, All right. So first up, we have a player, an outfielder, who made his lone All Star appearance in 2018 for the Braves. He led the AL buzz. in baseball reference war. Yep. Buzz, 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 buzz. Yeah. Okay. Splash. Uh, Nick Markakis. That is correct. Nick Markakis, you're on the board first. Uh, what I was going to say is he led the AL in baseball reference war in 2008, if you want to believe it, 7.4, and he was a three-time hey, I, I tweeted player. about that. I, true, yep. true story. Exactly. So, all right, Splash, you're up one nothing. Let's see if Alex can respond. I had no, <laughs> I had, I had no chance on that one. All right, so... <laughs> Next up, we have a designated hitter slash first baseman who made his lone all-star game appearance in 2019 for the Seattle Mariners. Buzz! Buzz! (laughs) Buzz! Every buzz! Every buzz! (laughs) (laughs) Tick-tock, tick-tock! You you better know the answer, then. Oh, yeah, no, it is the lab's boy himself, Daddy Daniel Vogelbach! Exactly. Daniel Vogelback is the correct answer. He is twenty nineteen first base DH. I'm like, I know this. <laughs> yeah, you know that's the thing is I wanted to go. You know, I, I started you guys out with two two players who played for your respective teams, and one of them plays yeah. for the Mets right now. So um, I was going to say also. <laughs> to be fair, that, that was actually what Yep. That was something I wanted to bring up a second ago, uh, Splash. When you were talking about the the crowded, uh, the too many uh, chefs in the kitchen analogy for the Mets, you brought up all these players for DHE. You did not mention the God amongst men himself. Oh no, I would. I, well, I mean, I would. Then you could. Then you're throwing in like Marcana and Pete Alonso, but I, the I, I, Alvarez yeah. Alvarez catching like you have to have a catcher in the lineup, either Alvarez or. Uh, no, right. I know. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. That was just the first thing that yeah. went through my okay. mind. Because, right. I'm like, I'm, yes, I'm trying very much to make labs a thing because I think it's absolutely fair fantastic. enough. Fair enough. For those of you that did not listen to our last podcast, labs stands for Lefty Athletic Bulky Slugger. So, guys, that's that an amazing, that's an amazing acronym, by the way. Yeah. It is uh, fantastic. Anyway, I so, want to catch on. <laughs> so, it's even now. Uh, by the way, Daniel Vogelbach has played for four teams since that All-Star game appearance. Uh, I guess he's a popular commodity, you could say. Anyways, moving pop- on. Why would you he not has want, value. Why would you not exactly, want the God does. amongst the men on your team? Uh, well, talk to a lot of Mets fans. And probably not oh, my God. That's, dude. 
it's a d- pretty divisive topic. Apparently, the entire Mets cold streak this past month was Daniel Vogelbach's fault, according to half the uh-huh. fan base. Uh, yeah, anyway, the other half of the fan base said he took a mental break and now he's the best hitter on the planet. Well, I mean, I did watch him go deep the other day. Uh, so That's a good point. And, yeah. Anyways, moving on, our next player made his lone all-star game appearance in 2011 for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's the last pitcher to throw 10 complete games in the season. And buzz, he also gave up a buzz, pretty... buzz. Right. Yep, buzz. Yep, Buzz. Yep, Buzz. That go. answer is uh, James Big Game Shields. That is correct. Splash, you're up two to one. So, yeah, I feel, I feel that, like there, there I mean, a... complete game, James, that was. That's fair yeah i also think that right now there's going to be a lot of latency just because of how far away we all are there uh i i mean it could be worse um anyways junior legend by the way yeah i was gonna say (laughs) he also gave a pretty uh famous or infamous home run in 2016 (laughs) uh to one of the great to the ultimate labs (laughs) oh exactly um, <laughs> he wasn't a lefty though. Oh, wait, oh yeah, no, he's right. righty. Yeah. Oh, okay, dang. Then he's Rabs. <laughs> anyway, okay, please continue. So, oh, all right, next up, we have a guy who made his only all star game appearance for the Orioles in 2015. He's a submarining righty who is an undrafted free agent Buzz. out of the University of Florida. Go. Buzz. Buzz. Is that Go, Darren O'Day? Correct. Darren O'Day. Mets legend, go. for some reason, the Mets gave up on him after two games in 2009. Uh, that's one that will eat at me forever. Yes, Braves legend, Yankees legend, uh, Rangers. He won a World Series, too. Not with Atlanta, though. When did he win a World Series? I thought he did. No, he, no, he didn't. He appeared in a couple for the for the Rangers, but he didn't win one. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. That That is odd. I thought on his baseball reference page he had one. But it wasn't with Atlanta. Oh, okay. I guess what I he pitched in twenty. He pitched one of the adjacent years, but did not pitch in twenty twenty one. With yeah, yeah, yeah. He pitched in twenty twenty and twenty twenty two. And twenty twenty two. Yeah, we won the World Series. Okay, never mind. All right, so two two all after four. This is pretty tightly contested ball game, you could say. Uh, Moving on, we have a player who made his only All Star game appearance in two thousand eight for the Red Sox. He was drafted second over overall by the Phillies, but he refused to sign with the team, which prompted some hostile treatment from Philly fans, as expected. And he also won All-Star Game MVP in his only All-Star Game appearance. Uh, worth noting, he also finished sixth of MVP voting for the Braves in 2004 when he put up an over-eight-war season. Oh, Gentlemen. I don't. I have no idea. I, I have. I have. Um, I no, buzz, 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 buzz. All right, splash. Go. Uh, JD Drew. Correct. JD Drew is the answer. Nice. Yes. Nice. Uh, for those who don't know, JD Drew refused to sign with the Phillies, and then every time he went back to Philadelphia, they would throw batteries at him. Uh, <laughs> if you want to sum up Philadelphia sports fans in one sentence, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also anyway. the throwing rocks at Santa Claus. Exactly. Or booing uh, so, Santa yeah. Claus. Booing Santa Claus, yes. Uh, but yeah, J.D. Drew won All-Star Game MVP in 2008 at Yankee Stadium. 
and he's also a former World Series champion uh, and one of three major league major league brothers. So, moving on. So, Splash, you're up three to two. Boy, you guys are going back and forth here. Next up, we have a 2014 All Star who made his only appearance with the Chicago Cubs, but he was traded in the middle of the season and then traded again after the season. Oh, and fun fact, he also played football at Notre Dame, signed a five-year contract with the Giants in 2016. He was a he was a workhorse, I'll say that much. He was traded to the Oakland A's in the middle of the season in 2014. Buzz, 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 buzz. All right, Splash. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with John Lester. That is incorrect. Alex, you have a chance to steal. So you said he was an All-Star 2014 with the Cubs? With the Cubs, and then before he could even get to the All-Star game, he was traded to Oakland. Oh, um, Jeff Samarja? Yep, correct. Jeff Samarja. Wow. (laughs) Pull the yeah, shark I, out I, of my butt. That's what he was, the shark. Wow. For some reason, I thought I thought the Notre Dame football thing would give it away because a lot of people seem to know that. Um, but I, yes, I actually uh, Jeff, did not, so that's cool. <laughs> Jeff Samarja was traded along with Jason Hamill to the A's for Addison Russell and Billy McKinney back in 2014, about two weeks before the All-Star game. I just so Jeff remember, Samarja was yeah. – yeah, he was on the A's, but he represented the National League. I just remember, like – Jeff Samarja was a huge deal back then, and it was cool that he got traded to the A's because there we were about to have a pitching matchup that at the time was marquee between Felix Hernandez and Jeff Samarja. That I yeah, was no, at the sure. at the time I actually was at a during that game I was at uh, an opera singing. Nice, <laughs> of course you were, <laughs> because you I go. got pulled into it anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on, we have. Another 2014 All-Star. This guy made it for the aforementioned Oakland A's. He was drafted by the Red Sox, though, originally, and traded to Pittsburgh. He also hit two home runs in the 2014 wildcard game, albeit in a losing effort. Then after buzz, season, buzz, 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 yep. buzz. All right, Splash. Uh, Brandon Moss. Correct, Brandon Moss. Woo, that's and a splash. name I've not heard in a long time. Woo. Splash back in front here. With two names to go, so it's four to three. But yes, Brandon Moss. He it, before the A's blew a four-run lead. Moss hit a two-run homer and a three-run homer in the game, uh, but ultimately they blew the lead. <laughs> so he would have been hailed as a hero, uh, but he'll just go down as one of the great performances that led to a loss. Uh, anyway, yes, and he was traded to the Cleveland after the year. He was uh, pretty highly before. It's funny. Uh, he was actually part of the three-team deal that sent Jason Bay to the Red Sox and Manny Ramirez to the Dodgers. Fun fact. Uh, anyways, so Splash, you're up four to three. Theoretically, you could win here if you get this next one correct. And we have a guy who made his only all-star game appearance in 2010 for the Blue Jays. He was traded to the Mets for R.A. Dickey. And he set the Mets franchise record by driving in 29 runs in April of 2013. Gentlemen, who is this? I'll mention that he was technically on the Blue Jays twice, but the second time he didn't play a single game because he got traded before he could. And also, to help you out, he did briefly play for the Mariners at the end of his career, if I'm not mistaken. Who is it? He's a backstop. I'll tell you that much. He's a catcher. 
Oh, wait. He's a catcher at the end of his career. Buzz, buzz. All right, Splash. This is for the win here, uh, so. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at Josh Tolley. It is not Josh Tolley. Tolley was traded with Dickey, actually. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Also, Josh Tolley never made an all-star game. He never did. But I didn't I'll think say, he did. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, this guy that we were talking about was not necessarily a guy who hit for average, but he hit, managed to hit 280 with 20 homers in 2010. I just like, figured no- it out. I just figured it out. All I right. hate that I just figured it out because I All don't right. like this man very much. It's John Buck. Correct. John oh. Buck <laughs> is the answer here. But yeah, he played for the Mirrors for I think 12 minutes. I don't yeah, remember it was, how it long. Was not, it, it was not much. The only Actually, reason I, 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 don't have, I don't have a problem with them. The, the only reason I, I knew he played for the Mariners is because his picture on baseball reference for a while was Mariners, like him in a Mariners cap. But as I learned from playing the Immaculate Grid every morning, there's some there's some weird ones on there. Like there's a lot. Uh, Curtis Dan- Granderson as, Mar- um, as a Marlin. Marlin, yeah. <laughs> a Marlin, yeah. I mean, there, there's somewhere it's like the, that guy didn't even actually play a game for that team. It's like, or there was uh, Willie Mays doesn't have a profile picture on Immaculate Grid. Yeah, neither does Juan Pierre, and it's like, what? These are, I, I don't know. They're Anyways, cut from the same cloth of greatness. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah. Anyways, you guys are tied at four with one player left. I might so... actually have a chance to upset Splash here. <laughs> exactly. There's a might. chance. Oh, my goodness. This is for all the marbles. Uh, so get ready to buzz in as soon as you know. So this last All-Star made his only All-Star game appearance in 2011 for the Seattle Mariners. He was a second-round pick in 2001 out of high school in Hawaii. 74 career saves, 37 of them came in 2011. He also pitched for the Blue Jays beforehand, eventually signed with the Dodgers on a three-year contract and was out of baseball at the age of 31. Gentlemen, who is this player? Can you you say the accolades one more time, please? So he was a second-round pick. Out of a high school in Hawaii in but 2011, the, but it's 2011. All star in 2011. Buzz, 74 buzz, saves. buzz, uh, buzz. All right, splash, buzz. Uh, I'm gonna try Brandon League. That is correct, Brandon. Oh, League. yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Emily Powerfront's legend. Ice Brandon in the League. veins, boys. Ice in the veins. Okay, yes. I'm gonna be real. For me, it was between. It was either League or Tom Wilhelmson. And I couldn't distinguish between the two of them. Oh. That's the thing. I, you know, surprisingly, Wilhelmson never made an all-star game. I thought he made he was, one. Because he was I a dominant too, closer for like a year. Hey, yeah, he there, there's a couple a of guys. Complete game, no hitter. He did. Yeah, the six-man like, complete game. Yeah. Because there's Wilhelmson. There's also David Ardsma, who I, I always think of for don't, that era. Don't remind me about David Ardsma. Dude, Mets I legend. I don't He's have also a first, legend. first, first alphabetically in baseball history. Very true. Uh, yeah, double A. Wait. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he's ahead of Aaron. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's so. Splash, splash pulls off the last second. He pulls off the buzzer beater. 
Oh, oh, no I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real. I've tried to forget Brandon Lee. On as soon as he said Mariners, I'm like, bro, I'm so cooked right now. No, and then I yeah, no, that's, you that's, why, I was, oh, that's why I, I I thought Alex was going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I uh, that's yeah, so, no, I should have I should have gotten it. Ice in the veins, boys. I'll I'll just say that I'm proud of getting John Buck and get of getting Darren O'Day and proud of getting uh Jeff Samarja. I'm just proud that Buck. someone got Darren O'Day. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, Honestly, you said sub, you said you say Submariner, and I just like all right. Yeah, I'm sure you, it's you got O'Day. Florida. I yeah. forgot he made it with the Orioles specifically, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were a couple of names like you know. I was thinking of including Brad Brock on that too, but Brad Brock, I guess it would have been redundant because he was also an Oriole and he was also mm-hmm. included in the same trade to the Braves. Yeah. So yeah. it would have been very, very, very redundant if I did I, that. I don't think I would have just come up with Brad Brock just out of my brain. Yeah. Uh, real real quick, actually, just because I was doing a little bit of research because I didn't remember the R.A. Dickey trade that well. I looked yeah. it up just because I was curious. And I forgot how many names were involved in this deal. Oh yeah, of course. But look at this. So it was part of a seven-team, uh, seven, no, seven, seven-player deal. deal. Where yeah. Toronto received Dicky, Josh Thull, and Mike uh, Mike Nickius in exchange for John Buck and prospects Travis Darno, Darding Dong, no, uh, uh, Noah, Noah Syndergaard, and uh, Wilmer Bacchera. Yeah, you know that's oh, damn, uh, okay. Yeah, that's an all. 20... That's all star Travis Darno to you. Yeah, and <laughs> fun, fun, and World fa- Series champion. Fun fact about Travis Darno: he got treated twice for Cy Young Award winners. First okay. for Roy Halladay, then for R.A. Dickey. So that's, there's there, there's your Travis Darno fun fact. Um, also, fun fact: Francisco Alvarez tied his Mets uh, Mets franchise record for most home runs by a rookie catcher in a season with thirteen. Uh, that is your oddly specific fact for the day. Obsessed uh, barbecue. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, uh, back to you, Alex. Thank you for letting me host that. Hey, thank you. That was a good time. That was fun. And the fact that it was that close will always make me a little bit happy. Uh, good game. You battled. Flash. Good game to you. All right. But with that, now it's time. To, <laughs> it's like how we like to end every podcast with the moment to ourselves. Where we take a moment to talk about whatever's on our minds it does not have to be baseball related but it absolutely can gentlemen who would like to go first on this day splash you have your hand raised we can't see it on the podcast but i'm letting Mm -hmm. them know all right splash your time begins in three two one go Bum ba dum bum bum ba dum bum ba dum bum bum ba dum bum bum. So uh, last night I went and saw Indiana Jones: Style of Destiny with my cousin. Um, I thought it was very good. Uh, it was a little bit on the uh, I'm not going to say Star Wars vibe to me because I don't consider seven, eight, nine Star Wars. Like I don't think oh those are great Star Wars movies. I actually didn't really like them as movies in general, but. I thought it was a solid Indiana Jones movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie overall. Uh, it kind of gave me Uncharted vibes, like the movie with Tom Holland. Or Tom Holland. Um, I do need to rewatch the first four Indiana Jones movies. I wasn't able to find them on streaming services that I have available to me right now. But uh, I thought it was an overall solid movie. Um, it did kind of feel like a Harrison Ford impersonator was playing Harrison Ford, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but 
you know, you know there were some solid characters, um, some solid development. Um, it was a little bit of a MacGuffin, but uh, I, I'd say like a seven out of ten movie. Fair enough. All right, Mac, would you like to go? Or would you like me to go next? Uh, you can go ahead. I'm I'm still conjuring okay. up my my talking point. All right, I will be happy to. All right, I will start in three, two, one. So I haven't talked a whole lot about this on podcasts for a lot of reasons, but um, something incredible happened today, and I am so unbelievably happy. Uh, back in 2022, uh, my aunt was de- was diagnosed with breast cancer, and that was a day that shook our family and one that, I'll be honest, hit really, really hard. I bring that up because today, um, on July first 2023 i found out i think she found out yesterday but um found out that she is no she no longer has it she is now cancer free and i broke down crying when i heard and i give her the i think the biggest hug i think i've ever given anyone um make sure you hug your loved ones like take your time call up a family member telling you love them Scary things can happen, but it's amazing to get to see get to see it beaten as well. All right, Mac, are you all good, ready to go? Yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Your time starts in three, two, one, begin. So I think this past week, uh, we really saw that. I mean, I feel like we can speak about this for everything, you know, you know, there's always the, the thrill of victory and the, the agony of defeat. Um, and, you know, the, sports can really be a game of inches across everything. And, you know, this past week was U.S. international team trials for swimming uh, to decide who's going to, to world championships. And uh, there, there were, you know, so many close races where, you know, on one hand, you're like, you know, you're thrilled for the, the you know, the, the man, the man or the woman who, who gets that final spot to make the team. But then you have to think about also like, man, for the, the, you know, the athlete that was so close to making that team, you know, to just, just barely miss out. And then tonight, you know, the, the U S men's squad was facing a roster limit and Michael Andrew missed the, missed the national team by 0.01. And because of the roster limit, he was left off. Uh, So you know, you always got to think about, you know, sort of that's what, you know, the 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 pain of losing like that is also what makes victory so sweet. So that that's, you know, when your team is struggling or when you are struggling as an athlete, just remember that, you know, going through those struggles will make you better and it will make winning just that much better. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. But I think that's going to be all our time that we have for today. I want to thank you all for tuning into today's podcast. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at LAR underscore baseball. We post baseball updates and baseball videos, baseball clips, baseball discussions every single day. Make sure you go follow all of us individually on Twitter. You can go follow me at the sports guy 242. You can go follow Mac at Matthias underscore A underscore K. You can go follow Splash at Mr. Splashman 19. But for all of us, here at Losses of Our Replacement, I want to thank you all for giving us your time today. Have a great rest of your night. Stay safe and hope to see you all real soon. Thank you.